You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey there, everybody. How's it going? Before we get started, I just wanted to make sure that you had a chance to listen to the special announcement that was a couple episodes back. I believe episode 114 was the the special announcement, because we're giving away stuff, and it's in conjunction with the podcast and newsletter and, and all this jazz. So if you haven't checked that out, you make sure and go back a couple episodes and listen. I don't want to rehash it here, but just want to make sure everyone has the opportunity to get in on the, the new thing that we're doing. So slide back there and check this out after you get done with this episode. Before we go too crazy off the deep end, I want to talk to you about Sinusoid. Sinusoid guitar cables. They've been with the show for a very, very long time, and I think that they're just the greatest. They're so awesome. And if you need instrument cables, and guess what? You probably do if you're listening to this podcast. you got to hit them up. They have a 100-year warranty. They make the best cables in the business, and they are some of the best folks around. And they also have a custom cable builder, which you can go right to their website, build exactly what you need, you can put it together with the Neutrik ends if you want, whatever, your choice. It's dealer's choice. Or, well, they're the deal. I don't know how that works. Maybe not dealer's choice, but it's your choice. And you can get whatever kind of color tech flex you want. You can get it with different colored cables underneath, different brands of cables, it, just everything. Anything you can imagine that would be available to customize on a cable, you can do it there. And it's all right on their website at sinusoid.com, so make sure and check them out. And we also have to talk to you about Gun Street Wiring Shop, the wonderful, wonderful Gun Street Wiring Shop out of Bend, Oregon, making custom wiring harnesses for your guitar. So you have, maybe you got an old Strat laying around and you just want to breathe some new life into it. There's an easy way to do it. It's almost like getting a whole new guitar with the, the sounds that you can unlock. Maybe you want to try some crazy... Series parallel switching thingy mabobber phase inversion something or other. That's where you go. You go to Gun Street Wiring Shop, you hit them up. If you don't see exactly what you need on the website, you email Sean and he will get you squared away with exactly what you need and has awesome customer service I know from experience because I had to use it because I'm not very handy, apparently. Even though I'm kind of dumb, I was still able to get my harness installed with Sean's help and my Les Paul is sounding awesome now, so... Check them out, GunStreetWiringShop.com, and let them build the harness of your dreams. All right, without further ado, my guest today is none other than Mr. Jack DeVille from Mr. Black Pedals. We've been wanting to do this for quite a while. We were finally able to make the schedules align and make it happen. So enough preamble blabbering nonsense. Here is the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the ToneMob.com podcast, a show about guitar tone and the people behind it. I'm your host, Blake Weiland, and with me today, I have a very special guest that we've been trying to get for a long time, Mr. Jack DeVille from Mr. Black. 
what it is, man. Yo, how's it going? You know, another day in paradise. Yes. <laughs> well, we did have a good time, right? Yeah, no, that was great. That was yeah. great. Yeah. So this is another fortunate, like uh, a lot of you guys know that I usually do these remote, and this time we're we're live and in person in the shred shed. So these are always kind of a treat and a little bit, a little bit more fun in a lot of ways. Face to face, man. Yeah, and they less less worry about uh, about internet gremlins creeping in and destroying everything because yeah, that's this, always a little bit of a gamble. This should run smooth. <laughs> so yeah, I we talk all the time. A lot of people know that, and some people don't, but now they do. And but there's actually a lot of lot I don't know about you, uh, which is surprising for the amount of hours we've spent on the phone together. Well, it's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> <It's a> mi- <laughs> retain some mystery. Keep, and... keep the mystery. So uh, I don't know. Like I don't really know how you got started. Like playing guitar. Like what got you interested in this stuff in the first place? It, it's uh, not something we've ever talked about. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, wow. I guess I was ten, um, and my sister had uh, had a friend, Moy. Um, friend of hers like Anna's actually her name but more Moi means little sister in Chinese I guess okay at any rate she had some brothers Chris and Brendan and we ended up getting arrested together years later but they were like friends of mine lived in the neighborhood or what have you and those two got in a guitar and so I got in a guitar as well because obviously I wanted to be like them that were cool cool older like you know kids around or whatever um and uh I ended up learning from their teacher Robbie Dunbar was his name um initially and then I don't remember why I stopped taking lessons with Robbie, but I started taking lessons with Doug Doppler, who now is like, uh, I mean, Doug's always been like a maniacal shredder, but now works, I believe, with Orange, and, you know, he's done guitar as his life. That's his his job and and career. Um, So I ended up learning from him, and with a heavy focus on theory and all that kind of thing, like just learn how to technique, you know, like alternate pick and do your modes and all the, learning all that, that, the really technical end of things, and that's kind of how I got into guitar. Um, and then, you know, like later, later teens, punk bands and all that kind of thing. You were playing in some like, uh, it seems like you were playing in like a lot of crust bands and things like that, if I yeah. remember. Yeah. When I was like later teens, that's kind of the crowd I ran with. It's like the crusties and those, those dirty, grungy, dangerous people. <laughs> this is in, is in the Bay Area, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is Berkeley, Oakland um, and the East Bay mostly. I mean, we, we played all, all across the Bay Area, but uh, mostly East Bay. Which is is kind of an interesting departure because I know you as the big uh, the big hip hop fan, which is a yeah is, yeah. A, is a lot different than a crusty punk. Yeah, well, I mean, times change, and you know, you get older, and your friends die, or uh, get arrested, or get involved in all kinds of bad business. And honestly, sleeping outside sucks. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> <laughs> like it's weak. <laughs> Even in California. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it still rains and it's still cold. So it's you know that 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 lifestyle gets old. Mm-hmm. So you came up to the Pacific Northwest about what time? This was December twenty seventh, two thousand seven. Um, we came up here. I followed a woman up here, and uh, she lives in Louisiana now because that's that's how you know life works. <laughs> the but, way the cookie um, crumbles sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, she made her decision as did I, and um, but yeah, I followed her up here in. Well, we kind of made the a trip in March. My friend Mike lives up here, and he'd been living up here since uh, 2000, I believe. Um, he was another dude I knew through the Bay Area punk scene, and, and we're good buddies, you know. He does a lot of the graphics for Mr. Black stuff. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, Mike Freeman, he's a tattooer. So if you come to Oregon and you want, like, a good tattoo, that's who you go to. All right. Um, it'll hurt, but, you know, Mike, Mike will <laughs> get it in there and make sure it's proper. 
regardless, uh, we came up in March 07 to visit Mike and my sister uh, took a job up here out of college because she actually did all that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and um, came up and got, got tattoos from Mike and my girlfriend at the time, uh, Nancy, Nancy's her name or yeah, still is her name. Um, she kind of just was immediately like, yeah, I'm moving here and you can come or you can stay, but I'm moving here. <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, that place, this place has that effect on people. It, it seems it got me, man. I remember we went to dots like after getting tattooed and like we got some French fries or whatever. It was like five bucks mm-hmm. and it did in the Bay area. That's just out. You can't do that. Like that's, that just don't happen. Right. And it was like a whole plate. I mean like a large <laughs> platter of French fries, you know, not some dinky little like seven fifty, and it's like six little pieces of potato. Now this is like a whole thing, you know, mm-hmm. five bucks, no tax or nothing. I bought cigarettes and a Gatorade and they gave me change and it was like a quarter or like it had a five at the end of it. You're like, whoa. Yeah. It was like a normal number. Like, it, I don't know. So <laughs> I, I was an auto mechanic at the time and, um, you know, looked into like, uh, what's the cost of living up here and like how much would I make as a tech? Um, and you know, it was slightly less, but the cost of living was like just a fraction of what it was in the Bay. And I'm like, this is crazy. You're like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll move up here with you. So quit the band down there and then, uh, you know, saved up some cash and put everything in a U-Haul and we came up on the 27th, 2007. That's what's really interesting about you when I talk to you is, is you're like, yeah, I remember the 27th of 2007. I'm like, Pfft. Like, I remember, yeah, it was like four, five, seven, 12 years ago. I don't know, something <laughs> yeah. like that. And you're, you're like on the dot with everything. It's numbers, just numbers. Yeah. Everybody's got their things that they're like good at. You know, for me, it's numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. You're always blowing my mind. It's, it's code. It's simple. No, it isn't, Jack. I don't know what any of that I, is. I think it is, but I don't know. I've, I've, I've learned everybody's kind of got their things that they're good at and things they're not good at. And right. Not everybody's good at everything. So I remember this is... I'm trying to, I'm not sure what year, but you, yeah, you'll probably remember what year, but like I, the, the first time I seen any of your stuff was through Andy doing some of the PGS demos, um, with when it was Jack DeVille. Oh, okay. Specifically. Yeah. Okay. I think the deuce coupe is the first thing I seen was, was, uh, I, t- I don't remember what year that was, but deuce coupe would have been I'm trying to think here, the progression through that, that was after mod zero. That was late. That was 11. Deuce Sounds Coupe, about I believe right. it was like April 11. That period of time is like really messy um, in my life. So I don't have a date for that one because <laughs> it was just that that was some crazy stuff happening then. But that was April. I know it was April 2011. Is that anything you can elaborate on or is that best kept under the? Uh... Uh, no, we can talk about it. What um, was the what was going on? So, uh, like I said, I moved up here with a woman, but she lives in Louisiana now. So that kind of happened. Um, she decided that she needed to. uh pursue other ventures in life and obviously when you lose your partner you uh reevaluate your position in life drive on the wrong side of the road uh engage in some pretty risky behavior and all that kind of thing and so i was drinking really heavily um that's why i can't really put a date on it because it was i mean i'm I'm not a big dude you know this we're sitting in front of each other we're Mm -hmm. talking about weight earlier but at my size when you're knocking back fifth or two a day it's i mean that's your memory (laughs) blurs as it were right yeah, I mean, I think I think at that level, at a fifth or two, you're general. It doesn't really matter how big you are uh, to some degree. That's just a lot. You get well. You build mm-hmm. a tolerance. You know, you knock, you drink like that. You can hit a pint and and still be okay. But after two of them or three, you're definitely. I don't know. It all blends together. That's gnarly, you know? man. That's real. That's so. That's like uh, that's like Lemmy level stuff right there. It was pretty hard, man. It was that was a, a not a good time in life. Mm-hmm. You know. But I mean, the mod zero came out of that, and that was a pretty cool thing. That's insane. So during so that was 2011, and then 
there was a shift at some point. I mean, was it the, was it the Dark Echo that was the last Jack DeVille? Quote the Deuce Coop was. The Deuce Coop was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there was a shift from being a Jack DeVille branded line to the Mr. Black branded line. And that's when I when things really seemed to take hold. Yeah. Um, what was what was that all about, if you can elaborate on that? Uh, somewhat. Um, I'm somewhat legally bound. Um, but basically, uh, Mr. Black was me running my own company um, and brand rather than working with somebody. Um, like the, something I think a lot of people don't realize with the Jack Deville products is I lost my ass on those. Like lots of money gone. Um, I'm, I was younger and, and more trusting um, and someone that uh, I knew, I don't know them anymore, but saw an opportunity to um, make some money. And mm-hmm. so they did. Um, and after kind of going around and around with the lawyers and all that kind of thing, I realized it would probably be smarter to suck up the loss on the Jack Deville products and simply start a new line um, such that it would be impossible for any kind of subsequent like reparations or restitution to uh, to take place, you know, mm-hmm. so they couldn't say like, oh, well, I helped build this company and now I want a piece when it's worth money and all that stuff. Gotcha. You know? After the fact type of deal. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that kind of tough decision, obviously, to put your baby down. But, you know, at the same time, if your baby's dying, what, you know. You can only hump the dream for so long. Right. And also if it's sort of somebody else has already put the bullet in it. To, yeah. To some degree. And there's like a liability there, you know, like, yeah. So that, that kind of, that was uh beginning of 2012, January 31st, 2012. And what was the first Mr. Black product? That was a Superman. Superman. Yeah. Uh, May 5th, I believe, was when that was conceived and, and executed. I think the release was June 15th. 12 i believe what was the process like for that 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 was pretty that was pretty unique people weren't really doing that at the time yeah so uh interesting one there um it's a funny story on the name too we can come back to that remind me about the, the name for that okay there's a, a great story surrounding how that product got named um so at that time we're looking at like early 2012 late late 11 um i'm, I'm jackville's dying that brand is like you know kind of i think we hit the nam show uh, in 12 and that was the last yeah we did and then that was the last last nam show and came back from that and i'm like oh this is awesome i owe like uh there's a, a big number and a bunch of zeros like after that number of debt right and mm-hmm. it's like not a good situation and um I, I didn't really have any money or any of that stuff so i was taking i mean i've always worked on contract for like anybody who will give me money like i right. just don't really care if you need something hard done you know who to call and they do and so uh, Callenberg called me up and Nick, uh, he and I had been like talking and we'd worked together on and off since 08 in different like facets and, and capabilities or what have you, or what's the right word, like quantities, mm-hmm. something like that. You know, we work together in different ways. Capacities. Um, capacities. Mm-hmm. There it there is. I should know that. That's like capacitor, right? That's an <laughs> electronics term. Totally. Um, so uh, Nick approached me and says like, hey man, um, you know, I, I need some help, like designing this product. I really want to, really want to make this uh, Echo Rec. You know, and I didn't know what that was. Um, so he has one, and he shows me this thing. And I remember he'd been working on this for years, like rebuilding this thing, and it was just a raggedy. An, an original one. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And okay. it was just, dude. I mean, dist- like the mechanicals are mostly there, but like he, I think he even rewound the motor. Like, it, I mean, it was pretty whooped. Yeah. Like everything in this thing, and he'd rebuilt it um, completely, but he didn't. He was having trouble kind of capturing what that was and putting it into a, you know, guitar pedal. And so he hit me and he's like, hey, I know you like 
do programming and all that kind of fancy stuff. Like, you think you could help us with this? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, sure. Um, what do you, you want to do? And we get together and kind of talk about the scope of the project and technology to be used. And um, he shows me, you know, a, a couple different options, and I don't like any of them because I'm me. And <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know yeah. how it is. Uh-huh. So uh, we eventually settle and kind of figure out, like, we're going to use this one part, and um, here's the, the limits within, the, like, the project. The scope of the project is defined. And I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I, thanks for the job. And so take off there and start working on that. And anyone who's ever worked with me knows I work, like, pretty fast, real quickly and accurately. Um, I mean, there's, like, you look at the pedal shelf here, and you'll probably find, like, 12, 15 different ones I worked on. Um, but they happen really fast. And so this the echo rec ends up like most of it gets knocked out really quickly. Mm-hmm. The part that I'm involved in. And so I'm left with like, all right, cool. So now I'm sitting around waiting for like revisions and you know, what's got to come back um, and, and get like changed or updated, modified, all that kind of stuff. And so I start playing around with uh, the same part and I'm like, huh, well, this is neat. Oh, I didn't know I could do that and start, you know, goofing around making effects or whatever and knock out a few. And me and Nick are drinking one night at this little place called vintage on uh I think it's like 80th and Stark, maybe. I don't even know if it's still there. It probably is. But we're all we're all hammered, and I'm like, what, what, what am I going to make, man? And Nick's like, you know what you should make is a reverb pedal. I'm like, a reverb pedal? That sounds dumb. <laughs> Nick's like, no, it's it's really hard, you know? And for me, that's kind of a thing. Like, is it difficult? And then, then I want to do it. So he starts telling me, he's like, yeah, you should do like a, a modulated reverb pedal. I'm like, well, that don't make no sense. For one, reverb doesn't happen in guitar pedal format. For two, reverb doesn't modulate. Like, these are things that don't happen naturally. And just, I don't, you know, I'm very logical. So this is not stuff uh, I can think would ever occur. So you don't have anything to model it off of. And this is also on the heels of coming off the echo rec. And like, here's a physical device that we want to replicate the sound of, you know, figure right, it out. Right, right, This is just freeform and make it up. Regardless, start pursuing it a little bit and end up coming up with super an algorithm. Um, show it to Nick. And he's like, man, this sounds pretty good, dude. Like, I don't know. This is a... Uh, this is really special. Cool. It's like, what are you going to do with it? You want to sell it? No, no, I think I'm going to make it. And so that kind of birthed that, uh, that pr- project. And, and I guess the Mr. Black line, that was the first one. Superman started it all. See, I, I didn't know that for some reason in my head, it was the dark echo, but yeah, no, that's a, that was the first like guitar pedal I designed from ground up, but that was 08. I mean, that was like a long time ago. That was 35th street and in the upstairs apartment. I've got one of those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was like, those are handmade, hand soldered, blah, all that stuff, you know, like real chore to make those things. But at least in that style, you know. We can come back to that in a little bit, but I I would don't want to get too far away from the Supermoon name before we oh, yeah. go there. So this thing didn't have a name. Um, this is, you know, cool sounding guitar pedal. Um, I, you know, had done the layout on the Echo Rec and kind of like the way that they wanted to uh to make that thing so i'm like well i bet i could do that for for me but different you know and now i'm not limited by like someone else's um design requirements so i can do it the way i want like put the power jack where i want to put the power jack mm-hmm. you know, on, the, on the right side that's how i think it's the input so all the inputs are on the right side the echo rec if you look at it the power's on the left side okay and gotcha that's an output because i you know that's the side that it comes out of anyway without those limitations i'm like i can do this my way so do the layout and, and the back end of the whole thing, and it's basically done except the name. I can't think of this, right? So it's uh, Cinco de Mayo, my friend Sarah's birthday, um, and she's having a party. Um, and it just so happens to also be a supermoon that particular night. 
Now, for whatever reason, I have never heard this term. Okay. I don't know what supermoon is. So, uh, you know, I go to this party, and this is 12. Yeah, so I'm still seeing Victoria. Um, and we're having fun and, and drinking and all that stuff, and like, you know, late 20s crowd does or whatever. And everybody's running around this party. Oh, yeah, this is a good little side note. My buddy Ian shows up, and he's kind of a loose cannon. So, um he starts like lighting off fireworks and all this nonsense in the house. And like, it's a total disaster. Sounds like guns and bombs and all that stuff's going off. And similarly, um, Ian brings out this like can of, uh, or not can, but a little jar of like ghost pepper sauce or one okay. of those, like, what's the next one? Scorpion pepper. Yeah. The scorpions are hot. Yeah. Whatever. Like the crazy one is. And, um, Sarah had this cake. I, I believe it had like a raspberry, uh, some kind. I mean, it was a nice cake. Don't get me wrong. Someone made it for, I believe. And, and it had like a nice raspberry kind of thing on the, um, like a, like almost like, like ketchup, but it's sweet, right? Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. Dressing totally. on top. Yeah. I got you. It looked just like this, uh, spicy sauce. <laughs> so Ian being Ian, of course, like douses the cake in this and everybody's screaming at this point because their mouths are on fire. At the same time that all this pandemonium is happening, people are also running around yelling super mood super mood that's what i thought they were saying right super mood with a d at the end oh. and i'm like everybody's happy this is awesome i can't believe it if stupid me i didn't know it was a super moon okay and i didn't realize <laughs> that you know this is happening this is a super moon right not super mood but i thought everybody was in a good mood and then this cake is going on and everybody's happy super mood is what i thought they were saying turns out it's super moon I'm like what is this nonsense i look outside and i see the moon it's you know big or whatever it's the moon i mean let's be real like it, it it's still there. I mean, it'll be there sometime soon. I'm like, that's a pretty cool name. And, you know, the light bulb goes off, mm-hmm. and then there you go. There you go. Boom, there it is. Nice. That is funny. <laughs> you have a lot of those stories. And then all of a sudden people are running around, and I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I'm such a, I'm such an old man, like, ever since I've been, like, 20, I've been an old old person. I'm like, I don't want to go to a party. Like, leave me alone. I'm home. Oh, eat, similarly, eat a cheese part, cheeseburger or something. That same house, man. I, I took Nick to a, a party there one time, and we're up in the basement with, with Nick and Steph. And Nick's like, oh, "We gotta leave." And I'm like, "Why?" And he's like, "We're gonna die in here, dude. Like, this is totally unsafe. Like, there's one exit. We're in a basement. If this place catches on fire, and I'm like, you're too old for this, man. That's what it is." <laughs> yeah, I think I'm I'm a little more like that. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to. A lot of times, I mean, you've texted me before. You're like, "Hey, Rob and I are eating." Like. Like Keely was in town, and you're like, oh, yeah. you're like, and I'm like, literally like grilling something for dinner already. You're like, you gotta come down. I'm like, I'm too old. I'll see you guys later. Like, <laughs> it happens. I mean, I, you know, we all mellow out. I don't really go to parties like that anymore. That was that was years ago. Mm-hmm. So we did the super moon, uh, and then was the dark echo the next thing to come back no. into the line? No, that was the tunnel worm. I believe was the next one. Okay, on the interesting. List. Yeah. And that was kind of just to prove that that I could do it again, you know, because mm-hmm. nobody, nobody now they do through zero flangers. But, you know, you, you got to look at this. Like when the mod zero came out, that was late 10, Nam show 11. There was the Fox Rocks and there was the Flanger hoax. And there may be another one, but I believe both of those were like out of production and or extremely difficult to find. And so nobody was doing through zero flangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what made the mod zero cool. And it was analog and all that hoopla or whatever, but that's up for debate anyway on that topic. Regardless, um, Tunnel Worm was more just to prove that, you know, check it out. Did this cool reverb, I can do it again. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, look, let's do another through zero flanger. The Tunnel Worm is, because I never did get to see one of those in person. Is that digital or analog? Uh, that's a DSP. Okay, that's it is. That's a DSP. Interesting. Yeah. 
that's why it was 179 instead of like 250 or 280 or whatever the mod zeros were. Gotcha. And why I didn't lose money on that and why I could keep making pedals on like the Jack DeVille stuff, which, you know, didn't didn't work quite the same. <laughs> so let's, uh, I mean, I, because these, I know you get this question all the time and you've explained it to me, but maybe you can explain it to other people. The Shepherd's End is probably my favorite flanger that that I've ever played. Yeah, that's cool. And so what's the difference between the Tunnel Worm and the Shepherd's End? I know that's a common question. Yeah, lots. Um, a lot. Uh, for one, I believe that's the only... No, I guess now Jamie did it too. He got him a, um, sh- like a Shepherd Oscillator in the Pyramids pedal. Okay. Regardless, the, the Shepherd's End was 15, I believe. It sounds eight, about eight, right. 15. Yeah. Um, yeah, and at that time, that was not ever been done in guitar pedal uh like a a shepherd oscillator you know um rob actually rob keely sent me some papers uh about a, some college kids that actually figured out the same process around the same time but they're in denmark and there was just theory and all that stuff it was interesting to see like the same diagrams in each uh in their like published paper and then my notebooks but regardless the uh the shepherd's end is a uh it's a flanger so it's you know a, a delay line that's that's changing um like th- the time of the delay is changing, but it changes in a way that it doesn't have a end, so to speak. So like a, the, the, the tunnel worm is going to modulate around a given time. Really, it sets an upper and lower bound the way the controls are set on where the times are going to vary from. Mm-hmm. So they might be, you know, well, that's a through zero. So it may be even advanced beyond the, um, you know, static delay line. So the static ones that say one millisecond, it may actually get to uh, a quarter of a millisecond. Um, as the upper bound, and then all the way out to maybe eight millisecond at the uh, lower bound. The shepherd's end, on the other hand, continually sweeps um, upward, downward, or it can continually crest through the middle. It's an interesting like way the whole thing works. It's, I mean, too complicated to to yap on on this one. Plus, it'd really be better with like uh, visual Drawing. representation yeah. as well. I remember that's how you explained it to me the first time. It's the only reason I was able to fully grasp it. But like, yeah, it, it pictures help a lot. Um, Regardless, uh, it's a, I mean, that one's a, a shepherd oscillator. So really it's three delay lines that are all kind of working together in tandem simultaneously while the tunnel worm's two, um, one static and one modulated. And then similarly, there's um, the subtractive process of the tunnel worm compared to the additive process of the shepherd's end, the standard shepherd's end. So instead of like subtracting whatever the modulated delay line is from the static, as in the tunnel worm and many popular um, outboard flangers, you know, pedals or whatever, uh, the shepherd's end adds them together. So it creates a different sound at the end of the day, um, but technologically very, very different. Right. Thank you for that. That's interesting. Um, got a lot of questions. Okay. So, yeah, well, normally I would just keep going, but I, I was, I wanted to check on this Facebook thread and see what people were, were chiming in on. So let's, uh, what well, here's a good one. Uh, Jonathan Diaz wants to know, what was your favorite pedal to design? And conversely, which was the biggest headache? Jonathan Diaz is his name? Yeah. Uh, so Jonathan Diaz. Um, I think it was the Shepherd's End was the most fun. Uh, that's the one I'm probably most proud of. Uh, that's just, it. I mean, it's very hard to put it lightly. Um, simply understanding the, the process is difficult and then executing it is even more difficult. Um, so that was, which one, what was the question again? It was, uh, what was your favorite one to design and then which was the biggest headache? Uh, the shepherd's end, I'd say on both of them. Both of them, both favorite of them. and yeah. biggest headache because yeah. you like the challenge. Love it. Yeah, yeah. That's the only reason I'll bother. If it's hard, then you like it better. Yeah. Yeah. 
Always. Um, let's uh here's a good one. Luke Glover wants to know what what is your favorite non Mr. Black pedal? Oh, that's an easy one. Um the Maxon eighty nine nine nine. Mm-hmm. That's a really 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 nice delay pedal analog delay yeah yeah yeah. i can't even see why we make delay pedals at all with that thing around or anybody does it's really it's that's just great i've never played one what do you like so much about it it's just it does everything right like it it, you play that thing you're like oh that's i wouldn't change anything about that at all that's what it's supposed to sound like type of thing it's perfect yeah like it's really rare i think to encounter something that you you wouldn't want to change you know like especially with like guitar stuff you know you maybe get a new guitar you want to put different strings on it you never pick one up you're like this is perfect as it is that's well especially not you yeah yeah (laughs) that one i know perfect flawless execution i need to get one of those you've you've talked about it in several different places but uh there's a reason i mean it's that good it's expensive but it's worth it so there's a there's an interesting question i'm not really sure if there's yeah this is actually i am curious i've never never really thought about this but Emilio Rizzo wants to know who is Mr. Black? Like, and I'm thinking that means like, where did that come from? Like, oh, like where the origins of the name, the name and the brand. Cause it is kind of a character. Yeah. So around that time that, that end of January 12, uh, like I said, I had this girlfriend Victoria and I knew I needed to do something new. And so we're, we're walking around the neighborhood. I lived on the 35th and Hawthorne in, in Portland here. And, um, we're walking through the neighborhood and I'm like, man, I gotta, gotta do a new brand, you know? And, uh, I don't know what to, to do or what to name it. I had a few like ideas kicking around. So she's like, let's take a walk. So this is like, a, you know, but January day in Oregon, but it's sunny, but it's mm-hmm. cold. We're walking through the neighborhood and smoking some cigarettes and just being me and her, which was like a volatile, fun combination. Um, and I don't know where it came from, but I like looked down on the gutter and I'm like, huh, what if I just call it Mr. Black? And she just looks looks at me like dead in the eye. And she's like, you already know the answer there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, done deal. There we go. That's it. So the, you know, you, you just kind of thought of it sort of sort of randomly, but then it it does seem to, like, the brand kind of has developed into, like, a kind of like a character, a person on its own. Is that intentional, or is that just kind of how things shook out? This is kind of how it shook out. I mean, you know, anybody that knows me knows I'm usually wearing black, mm-hmm. um, if not entirely, like, 90 percent you know i mean now i got i think i got a white shirt on right yeah but it's an undershirt so yeah like, <laughs> jacket's like pretty dark blue practically black everything else is so it kind of works there um but it just kind of worked you know just kind of took on took on its own thing it fit in fit in with your personality a little bit and yeah so kind of developed into its own monster in the in a lot of ways yeah and there's a certain level of ambiguity there as well you know, which is, I, I really like, you know, leave it up for interpretation, basically. Yeah. It can be whatever you want it to be. Exactly. Type of deal. Yeah. That's really, really interesting. Um, another question that was in the group from, a, a you know, good friend of the show. And I know, you know, you'll probably know this name too. Dustin Babitsky. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. A, he's Thank a, you, Dustin. Yeah. Oh, Dustin's a, a man. firm supporter for quite a number of years. Yes. He's, he's awesome. Uh, he wanted to know, and I, I mean, we've talked about this at length. How come your stereo pedals sound better than most other people's stereo pedals? Oh, um, well, I mean, there's a lot there for one. We just make better stuff. Um, you know, I mean, not to go too far off on the horn, but designed (laughs) by one of the best, if not the best in the game. So there's that. Um, but there's also part selection plays a really, I mean, outside of the, the actual, um, design of the circuit and algorithm and control system and all the rest of the nonsense there. Um, part selection plays a really big role 
Um, you know, it's not, they're not arbitrarily selected parts. They are very specifically selected for their, the way they sound, um, above all, all else, you know, um, the layout plays a really big part as well. Um, I remember talking with Jamie years ago about this is at the NAM show 15, maybe. Yeah. I think I was rolling that. Jamie from Earthquaker. Right? Yeah. Okay. I think that was the, the Calvin Klein suit year. Um, I think it was a gray one. But either way, we were talking. No, that was a black one during the day. That was a black pinstripes. Um, but we were talking about uh, layout, and he was having some trouble with an early revision of the Rainbow Machine or recounting it. It had been out for a bit. And he tore down a, a Mr. Black pedal and, and solved his problem, um, which, as he, I remember, was a, a noise issue. And it was it came down to the layout and the way the thing was grounding. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things I really like to do. Um, and I think I do a pretty good job with it too, as Dustin noted, you know, they sound good. Um, layout plays a huge role in how the finished product is going to perform and sound. Um, and there's, you know, I don't want to call it tricks, but, you know, it's an art form in and of itself. And like any art, like once you know the rules and know what you can and can't do, then you can break and bend them tastefully to achieve the results that you want. Okay. And so... In short, like to answer Dustin's question, they sound better because they're just well designed. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, they're they're intended to sound how they do and sound good. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't don't particularly like things that don't work well. Um, I really this, don't like things that don't work well. Yeah, it really they, bothers you. Yeah, they really get under my skin. Um, Doesn't matter if it's a guitar pedal or whatever it is. No, anything that that performs poorly, it just really upsets me. Um, and I won't name any names. A while back, I, I was it was power out, and I was bored at home and there was only one pedal I had that had a battery and uh, I didn't know, I couldn't play it because the amps are all down, there's no power or nothing, but start monkeying around with it and I found some bugs in it and they're a friend of mine. Um, so I hit him up and was like, hey dude, why is this you know, messed up? And he didn't know it was there. Uh, and I was like, dude, you gotta fix this, this is crazy. Like you have to fix this, it's driving me crazy. I was like, man, I've sold a bunch of those and nobody's ever found that and nobody knows it's there. Like, how'd you find that? I'm like, I don't know, it's just, this is making me insane. Please <laughs> it's make not this, so it doesn't have this exhibit this behavior. Um, so in short, yeah, I mean, things that don't work. I was really upset that night. I mean, alcohol helps too, but I, I was pretty upset about that. So yeah, I mean, anything that don't work right just gets under my skin. Yeah, it's funny. You've, you've let me know before and I'm like, like, that's not yours. Why do you care? <laughs> I don't know. It just, you know, it's one of those like people have their things that like they are drawn to or, or get upset about. And that's one of them. If anything doesn't work well, I'm like, this is not right. So one thing I wanted to ask you, because we we have somewhat similar backgrounds in our initial career choices. Uh, I, you were in auto and I went into heavy equipment initially. Yeah. We both ended up going down radically different paths in the same industry. And, what, but, and I think mine makes a lot of sense to me. But yours, how you went from wrenching to being kind of the, the go-to hired engineer guy, when it wasn't like your formal education or your formal thing... How do, I mean, what, how does one go from A to B? You just, it's, it's a, it's a, that's part of the story I'm not quite following. I've gotten that question a lot through the years. Cause, uh, yeah, I'm not college educated or even high school educated, you know? And to me, it, it's a, a really simple, straightforward, logical process, right? Like in auto, I mean, I stand five, five on a good day. We were just talking about this. I'm 116 pounds today. I'm not exactly big physically. So I got stuck doing electrical and drivability which is difficult um, and sucks as an apprentice because it's really hard. 
Um, but as you get better at it and you're a journeyman, it's awesome because then you're like sitting clean mm-hmm. uh, with totally. a computer in your hand, figuring out what is wrong with the car. And it's like one little sensor somewhere that's easy and you get paid really well to do that. While the other guys that are doing heavy duty are out there breaking their backs, you know, pulling out trannies and all that nonsense. Um, the progression was simple. I mean, like any a car's a machine, right? And mm-hmm. so any electronic device is a machine. Computer's a machine. You'll hear people call PCs machines all the time. Totally. For whatever reason, they don't say that with Apple products because they have their own whatever thing. Um, but they're machines. And so if you can troubleshoot one machine, you can probably troubleshoot another, provided you know the basic fundamentals of troubleshooting. Um, so it's not that far of a leap to go from automotive electronics to consumer electronics or audio, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I mean, I don't know, I don't remember why you got out of heavy machinery, but look at old mechanics. Like, <laughs> Dude. They're just beat down, man. They, I mean, it's, yeah, and it's it's even worse in, in some ways in the, the heavy equipment guys. I mean, they gen- tend to get paid a little bit better. Yeah. But you're also, I mean, you're dealing with, you know, you might have a transmission in a car that's a few hundred pounds. You're talking about transmission that could be, you know, in heavy equipment that could be several thousand pounds depending on what kind oh, of thing you're doing i think i mentioned this two years ago like when i moved up here i was looking for work as a tech and one of the jobs that was available was a diesel mechanic and so it was actually not too far from where we're at right now but i remember going there and applying and you know i got all my ascs and all that stuff so they're like cool we can take you on have a look at the the product you know and it's like cat caterpillars these big ass things and like mm-hmm. you're saying like i saw the transmission i'm like Hell nah. That thing's like four times the size of me mm-hmm. and like easily seven times my weight. Like I understand you're going to have tools and, and jacks and all that nonsense to move it. At the same time, like no way, dude. Like I can't do that. That's too heavy. And that and yeah, that's that was my world. And I've seen some crazy things in that in that world where they weren't supposed to do this. And the guy was insane in my book because a like. Yeah, he got paid decent, but not enough to do what he did. So he, they were trying to calibrate the some hydraulic motors on a dozer, and he, in you know, you know, you can you can put the rear forks down and you can put the front blade down and lift the whole machine up off the ground yeah. so that you can run the tracks at speed and it's not going to go anywhere because it's not touching anything. Yeah, this crazy guy crawled under the thing while the tracks are running at full speed. You guys can't see it, but my eyes just got huge. Yeah, yeah, they did. He looked like he about to come out of the chair. <laughs> so he's got one guy up running the controls, and he's got the tracks maxed out, and he's got his little laser gun underneath to check each side where he needed to check it, which is not the procedure. That's not what you're supposed I'm sure to it would do. Work, but yeah. that sounds really dangerous. It was super dangerous, and he's like, "Come on, guys, stop being wimps!" And he, he and we were all like, "What?" And he just crawled under. I mean, the dude was like 23. Oh, like dude, that could have been it. Yeah, you know? real fast. I mean, just get your shirt snagged on yeah. one of them and... Pfft, yeah, done. You're lucky to come out with one arm. Yeah. You know? I mean, it was it was insane. And so I, I seen some of that stuff, and uh, it wasn't expected or required, but still, there was like this machismo thing. Oh, yeah. In that, especially in that business, to some degree, where it's like, oh, just just grab it and do it, you know? And in then auto, they, dude. I remember seeing this one... Busted. Fuck- uh, what's that? No, oh, people just end up busted. Like, yeah, man. This, totally. This dude I used to work with, Leo, I remember this distinctly. We're at the, the old S-hole, was what we called that shop. But uh, he'd pulled a motor out of a CRV. This is like a, I don't know, 98 CRV, something like that. So the motor's sitting on the subframe, and he's got to move it, because I don't 
remember what he was doing, probably oil pan or something like that. For whatever reason, on those cars, it's easier to like just drop the whole front of the car, the subframe and all that oh, nonsense. Yeah. I, yeah. So he's like, come on, give me a hand. I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, come on, we're going to pick this up. I'm like, are you out of your mind? That's an <laughs> engine, dude. He's like, it's just a four banger. I'm like, it's a motor, dude. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not picking that up. And there's a cherry picker right next to him. Right, right. I'm of like, course use that. I'm pointing at it, right? And he's like, well, come on, don't be a weenie. I'm like, uh, forget it. Talk to somebody else. I ain't even trying to do all that. There's chains and, and a cherry picker, dude. I'm not picking that thing that's up. That's what that's for. Yeah, you know? it, specifically. Mm-hmm. His thing was, it would be faster. I'm like, maybe. I'm paid by the hour. Like, well, it was flat rate, but oh, still, I'm like, rate, right. uh, it ain't going to be faster if I throw my back out and I'm out for three weeks, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, I've seen that all the time. I mean, and, and yeah, I, I have a lot of respect for guys that work in that industry because I know how difficult it is, but I, I kind of seen the same thing you did. And I was like, ooh, everyone's everyone who's over 50 and has done this for any length of time tends to be pretty busted up oh, not yeah. not universally there were some guys that were smart and took care of themselves but there was a lot more that were all messed up most and, of them and had no problem just bathing in brake clean and i'm like that can't be good for you that was a trip too, getting out of that and suddenly not being sick and having rashes and all that stuff all the time <laughs> right it, was, it took me a bit to figure it out i'm like oh that's right i'm not covered in tranny fluid mm-hmm. huh wild no rashes yeah, interesting. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't have to wash myself in gasoline to get the grease off of myself. And it should tell you something. Like, you put your gloves on or whatever, and whatever chemicals you're touching, fluids and all that are, like, melting your gloves off of you. Yeah. Like, that's getting in my skin. I don't know if that's a good thing, you no, know? probably not. You know, we sound, we probably sound like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what we sound like to some people, but I recognize the same things you did. And it was, it wasn't the prime, because I, I do like wrenching. Like I do like working on cars. It's it's still something I enjoy. But it's it's like it kind of became pretty clear. Like if I want to have a have a spine that works when I'm old, I probably should get into a different thing. Yeah. Um. But you know, from time to time, I still like to spin spin wrenches once in a while. It's okay. I I try to avoid it now just out of pride. But I don't know. I kind of said to, said to myself when I got out of it that I'm like I'm never doing this again ever. You know. How long did you do it? Eight years. Eight years. Okay, that's about what I did too. Let me get years. out. When I was twenty-eight. No more than that. Well, cars for eight, and I was working on small machines and like pressure washers and all that stuff for maybe two before that. Like from when I was like eighteen or whatever till twenty-eight. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, and not that you necessarily want to uh, create, you know, create mounds of competition for yourself, um, but like. If you, if any, there's like some smaller builders that are looking at trying to, you know, take a leap or, uh, you know, move forward out of the garage, so to speak. Like, do you have any tips for people kind of starting out? Grow a pair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just do it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Do it. Trust yourself. Uh, be good. Also, that helps. Um, and do it. You know, there's mm-hmm. not. I don't know, man. I mean, you know, I'm at the end of the day it's a business that's one thing you really got to keep in mind is like you're going into business um treat it any other way and don't expect to uh support yourself with it um at the same time it's you know it doesn't cost a lot to get into making guitar pedals on a small scale on a large scale it totally changes mm-hmm. um and it's a business i mean you you got to treat it like that and unless you're bringing something good to the table uh it's been done you know and even if you are bringing something good to the table, it's kind of been done. So you really got to be sharp, um, good at it, and 
believe in yourself, man. I mean, there's nothing beyond that that I can really think. Like, you just got to go for it mm-hmm. and don't stop. Just do it. Yeah, and and you know, do it like it's a. She let you take her home on the first date, and you want a second one. You know, like you really <laughs> got to put the work in. So, do you have any? Uh, do you have anything other than obviously, you know, some things you alluded to earlier? The, the business deals didn't go quite the way we wanted. Do you have any kind of mistakes or regrets that you that you could you know advise somebody about? In what facet? Like life? Yeah, well, I mean, that's you, if you want to go there, we could do that. I was more thinking the business side of things. In though. business? Um, yeah, don't take partners, ever. Uh, I'm not a fan of partners. I don't see a reason for that. Uh, I see that as a sign of weakness, but that's just me. Um, definitely uh, develop a team and recognize what you are good at and what you're not good at, but I cannot see a reason for partners. Um, what was the other side of that? What was the rest of the question? Just, it was just basically, were there any mistakes that you you kind of experienced yourself that you could save somebody else the pain? Um, yeah, listening to other people's input and taking it as solid. Like, if you think, trust your gut, basically. Mm-hmm. If you think it's a good idea, it's probably a good idea. And if you really believe in it, you'll make it happen. Um, and be willing to take that risk. You know, be able to say, I was wrong also. Gotcha. You have anybody in the industry or otherwise that kind of that helped you out or give you a, a kick start, so to speak, or did you just kind of scrap your way through it? No, um, everybody gets help here and there. I mean, I'd like to believe that that I've done okay for myself, but you know, a lot of it's just me, but not exclusively. That would be ignorant um, and really myopic and self centered to think. Um, I mean, obviously, my guys. You know, I couldn't do it without them. They're they're kind of backbone of the whole thing um nick definitely helped help out um when he was around i remember mr black had barely been gone and he kind of introduced uh his crowd to it um you know said like hey check it out my buddy jack's doing this thing and that helped out cool um sean at love pedals really helped out quite a bit as well um just been generally supportive and a good friend as well you know um turns out me and him are a lot more alike than we even initially realized who else, man? I mean, the list goes on. Jamie's been really helpful, um, and Julie at Earthquaker. Uh, Juan, Juan's been really helpful as well. He really liked that flunk and and really helped us with that one. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's that's a, a whole a whole host of people. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I could think of more, but I'd need time or whatever. Yeah, that's a it's interesting because yeah, I think this is a this is a sort of unique business in in that regard. And we've talked about it on this show a lot with a lot of people that that's, I feel like I haven't worked in just a ton of different industries, but I feel like it's the level of collaboration and kind of camaraderie is a lot higher than what it would be in other things. Is that your experience too? Or what do you think? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I think there's enough, enough pie on the table for everybody to get a piece. Everybody that's just deserving as it were, that's a kind of selfish and, and, you know, superior thing to say, but Anyone that's like put the work in and tries, you know, there, there's enough for all of us. There's no need to be uh, super mean and selfish. Right. And I do find that, that in general, folks can be, you know, helpful, pretty helpful um, with whatever it may be. If it's a technical thing, that's usually my end. And if it's a people thing, that's, you know, other people's ends. Um, right. You know? Mm-hmm. So I'd say, yeah. So this is something that you've you've probably been... I know you've had requests over the years, but like I know like two years ago, you and I talked about you making an amplifier. 
And it yeah. sounded like the craziest thing that I'd ever heard of. So yeah. I don't know if we want to talk about that, how much you can reveal or if that's ever going to happen. But I think it will in time. Um, I got the like technical, well, the chassis sketched out or whatever. It's a tricky one. Um, at the end of the day, like I have an amp that I really, really like. And it's kind of like the Maxon delay where it's like, you just can't do better. Why even try? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that amp's a high watt DR504, which is just, a, if you've never played a high watt, uh, don't. Because it'll just ruin <laughs> everything for you. Like nothing competes. It's, they're in a class and league and world of their own. Um, with that said, that amp is only 50 watts. And my main guy, Justin, is like me in a lot of ways. And specifically this one, he likes really powerful amps. And I do too. Uh, I like them really hard is how I describe them. Um, and loud and powerful. Um, and that high watt's awesome and does all those things, but it's only 50 watts. And, you know, some people would say that's a lot. Some people would say that's a little. I think it's like a comfortable, what's the right word, like medium caliber amplifier. Okay. Um, but it's only 50. And as a result, it does distort when you get it loud. Um, there's a limit to how loud. I can turn that thing all the way up and I'm like, oh, this could be louder, you know. <laughs> um, but it's only 50 watts. I keep coming back to that because it's only 50 watts. And mm-hmm. I really want that amp to be about 400 watts. So it's so crazy. Yeah, yeah, of clean power. That's the thing with that high watt. Like, I'm pretty, they say it's 50. I bet you it's probably, I haven't done like the load testing calculations, but I bet you it's kicking out about 70 before it starts clipping and then probably hits 85 or something like that by the time it's on like full tilt roaring. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I forget. I always forget that that's how amps work. Yeah. They, they, I mean, you know, it's an approximate measurement or whatever and depends on the, a lot of variables. Right. With that said, I want that thing to be 400 watts clean power. So like basically you can't turn it up to get it to distort and it be re- in any way, shape or form reasonable or unreasonable. Like that's just absurd. Um, so the, the dream there is to make more or less an amp that, that not sounds like that amp, but delivers all the qualities of it, which is just awesome, hard, instant, fast, powerful response, but is so loud that you would never, ever want to turn it up, ever. Right. Like be halfway dangerous. Is, yeah, halfway is like way beyond the sane. Would this be, would this have like a half power switch or anything? You just no, let it, no, let it I don't roar. even want like tone controls on it. I only want a volume control. And the only reason... That's <laughs> so gnarly. Yeah, and the only reason for that volume control is so that you weren't running it wide open all the time. Because there are times when like 400 is going to be too much. And instead of having to rely on like outboard, um, like whatever's feeding it, say a volume pedal at the end of the chain, mm-hmm. you know, having some kind of way to, to dial it back without the risk of like bumping the volume pedal or nudging your guitar volume or whatever. Um, you know, that, that one control is all I want on that amp. And you're talking 400 watts... Oh, actually, this would be a good question because I actually don't know the answer to this, and this is a totally different segue. But I was gonna say this is four hundred watt all tube. Yeah, yeah. So here's my question to you because I, and I don't know why I've never asked anybody this before. How come most of the time when you're talking about solid state amps? So I've got like a hundred twenty watt cr- crate over there. Yeah, just a cheap you know old amp, and I've got a you know a hundred watt Marshall clone. Why is the the tube louder? Why is it so much louder? The best solution I've ever heard to that, uh, I don't know, so we'll put that disclaimer out first, but I have my beliefs, and this is my belief. When a, assuming that, that wattage is equal, 
um, when you drive this, this is the other side where I was saying like, it's probably 50 Watts clean or 60 Watts clean. And then before onset of clipping, and then it keeps going into 75, 80 by the time it's full bore and ripping. Right. Um, so when a solid state by definition is going to be, um, like transistorized, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so when a transistor saturates, it literally, I mean, pull up a data sheet and look how it works. You know, it's pretty, pretty straightforward. It, it cuts off hard. Um, it's like, what do they call it? Like a piecewise function? Like it goes up to a point and then it flattens out. A tube, on the other hand, as it begins to reach its point of saturation, doesn't do it abruptly. It does it at, at a soft angle. This is like where people are like, oh, it's soft clipping or whatever BS they like to say their favorite little dirt box has. That That's why it sounds like a tube amp, right? Right. But it, there's something there in that it doesn't just saturate and completely shut off. Now, full saturation, yes, the tube will, but right during that transition, it's not a sharp um, line like it would be with a transistor. So if you take that same concept and put it to a speaker, right? A speaker, the typical like a loudspeaker, you're sending a pulse of electricity to drive this magnet back and forth. What's going to happen when that cutoff happens is you're saturating your, your transistor what's driving the uh the speaker the loudspeaker so that voice coil as it's moving basically can no longer like develop speed and okay. it's what's the right way to put this like it's gonna hit that that wall instantly where a tube is going to slowly uh hit that wall so imagine the speaker is moving back and forth and it moves all the way to its fullest travel and stops dead. And then it moves back to its full travel and stops dead. Where a tube, it's going to move and then start to slow down right before it hits its full travel. Okay. Does this make sense at all? It does, yes. Okay. So um, as that begins to happen, like because it's not st stopping so abruptly, um, I, I believe that it's actually pushing a little more, more volume, right? Because mm -hmm. it's not stopping. So the sound wave that it's generating isn't just uh, being abruptly ceased in movement. It's still it's, pushing. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, I've, I've wondered that before. I remember actually I, I, the first time I plugged into a 15 watt like Tiny Terror or something. And I was like, why is this almost as loud as my 120 watt stupid crate thing over yeah. there? Like this doesn't make any sense, but. That's my theory. I don't know. I remember years ago when I was gigging in San Francisco. I used to play with this one band pretty frequently. And at the time, I was rocking a PV Bandit because that's all I could afford. Mm -hmm. And uh, it sounded pretty good. Anybody who's had one of those knows, like, hey, man, they, they sound good. And if you want to do some death metal, look no further. Yeah, exactly. Um, regardless, uh, he had a, a Pentatone, PV Pentatone. Um, and that thing was way louder. Both are 100-watt amps. And I remember talking with him one time. He's like, yeah. If you want to be heard at the back of the club, you got to get a tube amp. And that was like his whole thing, which, you know, th there's a lot to that. But he's right. Their 100-watt tube is notably louder than 100-watt mm -hmm. solid state. Yeah. And I believe, again, it's because it doesn't cut off the power to the speakers abruptly. That makes that does make sense. I still can't imagine what 400 watts would do. It's great. Having cranked a 120-watt in my house and shook everything off of the wall, I can't even I can't even imagine. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, get a bass amp, like a SVT or what have you. That's 300. And that's just true. And just run a guitar into it and open it up. It's awesome. It sounds like, that sounds like tinnitus waiting to happen. But Put some earplugs in. Or <laughs> even like a, an old Marshall. You know, we got that super bass at the shop. And right. I mean, that, that kicks it out, man. That's only 100. That's true. You know? Only 100. Yeah. yeah. Or the triple rack. I mean, I got a triple rack at the house, and that thing 
lays it down, man. Like it's it's pretty pretty loud. No lie. So we've talked a lot about the guitars and the pedal or the pedals and the amps rather, but we haven't really got into guitars too much. Um I've I don't know what all you have. I know you I I've seen you uh frequently like in there's a picture of you with a Gretsch. Yeah, I really like that one. And what what do you got in the stash and what's your favorite? Oh man, lots of them. I honestly don't know how many. I think it's probably like 20 at this point, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot. Um, the number one electric is the Iceman. It's an IC400. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a Korean-made guitar. It might be Japanese, but I think it's Korean. Um, but that's like my number one. That's like my favorite. Uh, it just sounds great. You know, it's Surprisingly, it's a really good clean guitar also. Um, that thing in, with the high-watt is just a crushing sound. Um, because it's like big old monstrous slab of mahogany. Oh, yeah, you know? totally. And like many things in life, I like them as big as I can get them. Mm-hmm. So like if they made a bigger guitar, I would have got one. Or if I could have afforded an Explorer at that time, I would have got an Explorer. Um, I used to rock a similar guitar, Dean Z, I think it was called. Like just giant, massive, ultra, super huge guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, but that Iceman, that's probably the number one. Then there's the double cutaway Les Paul that's really good. Oh, the thing with that Iceman I should elaborate on, it's got really low output pickups in it. Oh, really? Which, yeah, they're really low. From the factory? No, they're, I think they're like the slash whatever, I don't remember. They're now Nico 2, and I think they're wound at like 7.8 or something like that. Oh, okay. Like, pretty weak pickups, mm-hmm. but that's kind of what I like about them. Like, I find that weaker, lower output humbuckers just sound better. I think so, too. That's um, That's been my experience. Yeah, you get way more definition, and I just prefer them. If I want more boost, I'll just grab a booster pedal. You yeah, know? that's what I've always thought about, especially the same thing with active electronics. I feel exactly the same way for the most part. They hold a, there, there is an application for actives. I got a few guitars that have EMGs in them, and there is, there's a reason that like Metallica sounds like Metallica, and mm-hmm. it's EMGs, man. I mean, also like James and Kirk can play, but um, that those pickups, like they're, there's a response that they get, and it's really like constant. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I think EMGs come into play in actives. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, that's what I what I mean. Obviously, I'm not very uh, not a successful guitar player like them. But that's what I've always kind of been the rub with them is like I'm very dynamic with my playing. Yeah. Then and you, those kind of kill though that, you know. Yeah, they remove it. They're they're really great if you want like consistent chug or like I always come back to the Metallica song Sad But True because it, it's rad for one. But two, like the opening note is like an A chord or maybe mm-hmm. it's an A flat and it's so heavy. It's so good. Like it's an A chord and it's so heavy, you know, <laughs> but that's like that particular sound that that makes where it's like jing and it just rides forever. And yeah. It's like constant. Mm-hmm. That's like the active thing. That's, you know, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So Iceman's the number one. I didn't know that. I knew you liked that guitar a lot. I didn't know it was the number one. Yeah. That's my favorite. I just found out and he's been here for a few years, ironically, but uh, Paul Gilbert, lives here oh Portland. really yeah i didn't know that i rode the plane with, i didn't we weren't like buddies but we, were, we rode the plane to nam and he was on it like, huh i had no idea yeah i didn't know either I was he like, plays an upside down ice man though oh that's right he does yeah he? this is backwards yeah i like yours better i think me too yeah <laughs> <laughs> the ice man yeah no that guitar is rad that it all goes back to dystopia like i remember i saw dystopia in like 98 maybe mm-hmm. and uh god what's it Dino, I think, is our guitar player's name. I can't remember. I didn't like know the dude personally, but if you don't know Dystopia, go out and get human equals garbage, and your life is going to change. Um, regardless, uh, Dystopia's playing, and it, it's like a ripper of a show. Everybody's going nuts, and they, he breaks the string. He used to play like, it was either 
a purple or a green Iceman. I think it was the green one that he had that night. But he's got this Iceman. That's the coolest guitar. I mean, it's a punk band, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and he's got an Iceman. Like, it's just so different and just way cool. So he breaks a string. And everybody's like, oh, dude, this is weak. Like, what are oh. they going to do? <laughs> and he pulls out a second Iceman. And he's he's like, like, I got it. Don't yeah, worry. The coolest thing in the world. Like, mm-hmm. a purple Iceman just comes out of nowhere and everybody just goes bananas. So that kind of cinched it up for me. I was like, I got to have one of those. That's the coolest guitar. That's awesome. That is really funny. So that that does answer a question I was going to ask you. I was like, who's, who's some of your musical heroes? Um, For, like, rock, you mean? Whatever. I really like Mac Dre. I mean, to me, that dude kind of just took it and did it way too good and way too big and too bad the man's dead but you know i, I really got hold that guy in pretty high regard mm-hmm. you know um then with rock like social distortion i really like that band oh yeah they're pretty good love like, social d less paul in a basement and just plug it in mm-hmm. like I, I don't know i kind of love that setup and that, that that rips it sounds awesome yeah, yeah he's, he's got some of my amazing. favorite straight ahead rock and roll guitar tone is social d by a yeah long shot. it's it's incredible metallica as well really like them um slayer of course lately i've been really into municipal waste okay because they're nice. just <laughs> awesome you know mm-hmm. um, and a lot of those thrash bands and it's a punk band that that really changed me uh from oakland called el dopa that i i mean that i still listen to that record like pretty regularly it's you know it's crust or whatever it's pretty gnarly but awesome awesome band were you in the scene with those guys yeah we played with them a few times cool they were older and so like cooler and you know we were like 18 we couldn't play at annie's or nothing like that or covered wagon so not till we got older didn't get to play all those shows so here's a here's one i've been trying to work into the rotation at the request of uh some of the listeners and uh i think it's kind of an interesting question it'll be really interesting to see your take on it but what is your favorite boss pedal uh the tuners are great yeah, TU2, uh, TU3. Yeah. No, but on the real, those things are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they work excellently. And I talk about a gold standard. Like, They're indestructible. Yeah, they don't break. Um, what are the other ones that I I like? Oddly enough, the CS3. Uh, oh, no, you know what it is? The TR2. TR2? Yeah, not because it sounds good. Uh, it does sound good, but the design on that is, like, incredible. Um, specifically, the, the layout of the circuit board is just uh, whoever did that's really smart <laughs> like that thing should not be as quiet as it is it's, they just they've got it laid out right yeah mm-hmm. it's it's brilliant um that's another one we're talking about you know up-and-comers buy one of those anyone who's like listening and wants to like learn how to make guitar pedals buy a tr2 tear it down and figure out why it sounds good okay it's all there you'll see it but um there's a reason and the layout is amazing that's interesting that's mm-hmm. very very interesting all right, well, we're getting down to the kind of the the hour mark here, and I I gotta ask you the big question. Mm-hmm. This is the one that people get kind of worked up about. What kind of pizza do you like? Uh, I like Hawaiian pizza, actually. Ah, oh, get out of here! Yeah, it's one oh, of my no. favorites, man. Oh. Uh, that's what I had last time we got pizza. Uh, that's what I always end up ordering. Hawaiian pizza. Yeah, I I did not take you for a Hawaiian pizza guy. Yeah, I mean, I I get down on it, dude. It's that or like, I'm not that picky. I mean, I'll pretty much as long as it's not like exotic. The, the ones that have like. Curry, whatever, broccoli, all that BS. Nah, dude. Nah. Like Hawaiian's kind of getting out on a limb for me, but that's what I end up getting. Um, other than that, like cheese pizza's good too. Mm-hmm. You got I, a favorite local spot? Hammy's is where I usually go. Hammy's. I've yeah. never been there. Um, it's in Southeast Portland. They're great. Uh, really salty, but I mean, it's pizza. What do you expect? You right. Know? 
And then there's another spot, Rovente, that... I've heard that's awesome. Yeah, it's unnecessarily expensive, but it's good. Okay. I'll have to check that out. I've heard, I've definitely heard good things. It used to be dirty cheap, man. You could get an, a large or extra large cheese takeout for eight bucks. Not anymore. No. But that was like a lot. I mean, dude, trust me. That was that was a... You finished one of them, you're probably not going to want another one, you know? <laughs> you were done. Not for that day, at least. Nice. Very nice. Anything else you want to say to the people before we knock off for the uh, the main episode here? Um, I mean, not really. Just uh, be be good people. Don't be a jerk. You know that works. Like, I don't know. Try try to do something nice for somebody and and help your friends and people that aren't your friends out. Mm-hmm. That's kind of all I got. That sounds pretty good, man. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for coming on. This is way overdue. I'm glad, really glad we got to do it. Yeah, me too. Finally, put it together. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for having me. For sure. Anytime. All right, everybody. For Jack, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. There you go, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in and sticking around and hanging out and all that good stuff. You want to check out all the Mr. Black stuff, and I highly recommend that you do. Some of my favorite pedals out there. Uh, Blood Moon is actually one of my favorite reverb pedals ever. Go ahead and go to MrBlackPedals.com and check all that stuff out. Your ears will thank you. Trust me. I personally have been playing them for a long time, and they're they're some of my favorites. So, yeah. Other than that, if you want more Tone Mobbery and nonsense, slide over to Patreon.com slash Tone Mob, whereas for as little as... Wow, my talker is, like, broken today. It's no good. For as little as $5 a month, you get an extra episode every week of Tone Mobbery and Nonsense delivered right to whatever podcast player you're using. And uh, yeah, you can check all that out over at patreon.com slash tonemob. And yeah, until next week, we'll we'll be hanging out. I got some really awesome guests lined up. I think you guys are going to be really excited to see some of these new ones. I can't I can't drop it just yet, but... I'm in talks. I'm in talks with some some people you want to hear from. So we'll we'll try to make that happen. Until then, share this with a friend, a family member, coworker, sibling, something. Yeah, because a sibling's not a family member. What am I talking about? Share it with somebody. If you really enjoyed this, I I would really appreciate it if you could recommend this to somebody else. Because that's how uh, that's how podcasts grow. Is when the the audience tells tells a friend. That's that's what we need. That's what we need around here. So thank you very much for everyone that has done that and for everyone that has left nice reviews on iTunes and any of the other places you guys want to live, leave reviews. That helps a lot. So I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to tonemob.com stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time.
We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple, and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out. 